Again, helping people find and follow Jesus. We want to point people to Christ, not to ourselves. And I think this morning does that. And before I jump in, I want a little audience participation. I need five objects. It'll make sense here in just a little bit. I need you to give me five objects, and I'm going to write them down to make sure I don't forget them. Just random five objects, not like a noun, but I mean like an object, something tangible that you can throw one out. I just need one at a time, though. Chair, okay? We got that one. Next one. A Bible, okay? Water bottle, nice. I need two more. A piano. Did I hear that twice at the same time? Um, Another one. Don't be shy. Umbrella, okay. Umbrella. Um, Like I said... In that song, Holy Water, we actually sang about metaphors. And this morning, we're talking about immersing in God. Immersing in God. And that's where our scripture is going to take us. But it's interesting to me that when we look around us, that there are so many things that we say, even in our English language, that we use metaphors and similes and comparisons and, and look at what one is to the other. And uh, I remember, and we still do this with our kids uh, traveling in the car, and we would pull out this little booklet, and it had a whole bunch of lines at the beginning, and asked for a noun, an adjective, a verb, a plural noun, part of the body, people in the room, called Mad Libs. And, you, and unwillingly, you guys just participated in a short one. And um, I'm going to read uh, one that is entitled, Why I Left Her. Her hair was as smooth as a chair. Her eyes flashed like a Bible. Her lips were as red as the water bottle, and her teeth were as white as the piano. That one actually fits. But her feet smelled like an umbrella. So, probably not the best comparisons to be using, although if you actually have spent any time in Song of Solomon and looking at the love relationship and the comparisons between goats and sheep, and the neck of a a tall tower. They seem a little strange on the surface, but once you understand some of the meaning, there's a whole lot there. And that's kind of what I want us to look at, is as we look into the Bible this morning on the metaphor it uses on the river and being immersed. That's why there's a picture of the river. That's why we're going to sing a song called The River later on. Um, And I want us to kind of take that and use that metaphor. But some things are just a little more literal. Some things are a little more in your face, and sometimes you just wish you can avoid them. And so I want us to do just a small contest this morning, and something we do in youth regularly, uh, to where we have the whole group stand up, and then we kind of start giving off phrases or numbers. And as long as you have a number that's higher than or lower than whatever the target is, you can stay standing. Eventually, you get down to the end, and there's only one person standing and that person's the winner. And so this morning, I want you guys to be a part of this, and we're going to stand here in just a second, and we're going to go through and compete on this question. The question is, how long have you gone without a bath or a shower? Anybody care to participate? No. (laughs) I didn't think so. Um, But if you think back, there are times where we have done some crazy things, and we have spent time going, what's the most important? And I know that there have been times when I've taken trips in high school and college um, 
overseas or to other countries, and sometimes you, you expect to be able to take a shower every night, and you don't. Um, you expect to be able to get cleaned off, and you can't, or not allowed to, or the resources just aren't there. And it's one of those things that after those days, maybe it's, a, maybe it's just you skipped one. Maybe it's two days. Or maybe it's the whole week you're gone at camp. You know, I've got middle schoolers going to camp next week. Sometimes you wonder when they get on the bus at the end of the week, did you ever change your clothes? That looks like the same shirt in the picture we left in the parking lot and you have it on again. You trust, you trust their word that, yes, they did, in fact, actually change or shower um, throughout the week. But then you smell them and go, okay, maybe not. And so I think to some level, we kind of understand or experience kind of that feeling. But what about that feeling when you get home? Maybe it's after a long trip. Maybe you didn't even skip a shower, but you actually finally get home. And you walk into your own shower. And you get that water running over you, and it just cleanses all of that that you were just, where you're just at. And it just starts, seems to melt away. That dirt just runs down into the drain. The soap, you just kind of take in and you smell that cleanliness about you. And you just find yourself standing there enjoying that, that water after that period of time of, of just being away or busy or beaten up or working hard, dirty. And there's a video clip that I want us to show, that I want us to watch. It is called the song, The River by Chris Tallman. And we have sung it before um, this, this video is actually um, directed. I'm going to share a little bit about it after you watch it. Um, but it is one of those things that I do have to apologize ahead of time for those that are actually streaming online because it is a copyrighted song. We're going to have to mute the audio for just a moment while we watch it. Um, and then we'll come back afterwards. So without further ado, let's watch the river. I'll be here forever I'm 
It's washing me away My life is in the river again that song that song was by Chris Tomlin called The River and it came out gosh almost 20 years ago and a guy named Travis Reed he actually unofficially made that music video so it's not actually by or for Chris Tomlin he this guy Travis made it and he shares about that cliff jumper that is in that video and how um, his best friend was that college crazy, freako nature, extreme sports guy. I mean, that's his quote, not my description. And how thought, how cool it would be for him to jump off that cliff into the river, plunging all in. Yet another picture of jumping into God and who God is and, and the relationship we have with him. But here's the deal. At the, at the time of that video, of the filming of it, his friend was not a Christian. That friend, when he heard the song, he asked, what is this all about? What is this river? What does it mean to be carrying it all the way? And you saw even the luggage being carried downstream. And he asked about it, and, and Travis proceeded to tell him the meaning behind the lyrics. He told him all about the gospel message about who Christ was, who the creator was, and heard everything. He listened intently. And yet, at that time, still was not truly free. Did not trust the Creator as his Savior. But yet he heard, at least not yet. From that time till now, I don't know what has happened. But he was willing to make a video to show us, to show people the the nature of jumping or being immersed into God and the refreshing nature that he provides for us. And so, I want us to spend a little time in Ezekiel 47 this morning, reading um, just amazing description, visual passage, and I'll probably stop on occasion just to kind of pause a little bit on what it's sharing and what it's talking about, and, uh, um, and kind of allow us to grasp the picture, because uh, that's really what we're really looking a lot this morning, is pictures, the word pictures that we get from Scripture, um, and then at the end, we're going to give ourselves an opportunity to kind of play Um, play that out in our own lives. So Ezekiel 47, starting in verse 1, says, In my vision, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. There I saw a stream flowing east from beneath the door of the temple and passing to the right of the altar on its south side. The man brought me outside the wall through the north gateway and led me around the eastern entrance. And there I could see the water flowing 
through the south side of the east gateway. So you can picture this temple, and out of the middle of the temple is this river flowing out. We get the direction out the south side, um, underneath the east gateway, and this man gets to see from the inside, looking down, looking at where it's going, and then is taking, taken out and around the temple to the outside to where he can see. In verse 3, it goes on to say, Measuring as he went, he took me along for the stream for 1,750 feet. And then he uh, led me across. The water was now up to my ankles. And he measured off another 1,750 feet. And then he led me across again. This time, the water was up to my knees. Another 1,750 feet. It was up to my waist. Then he measured another 1,750 feet, and the river was too deep to walk across. It was deep enough to swim in, but too deep to walk through. I don't know if you've kind of got that picture in your mind right now of of this ever-growing stream that continues to grow in width and depth um, to where they are now immersed into the water. They cannot be, you know, they cannot walk anymore. They have given up their own foothold in order to trust the water around them. Verse 6, he asked me, have you been watching, son of man? Then he led me back along the riverbank. When I returned, I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river. He got so focused on what the river was doing and what, how they were taking and walking down and getting deeper into the water that he was oblivious to what was going alongside. He was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river. And then he said to me, the river flows east through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. The waters of this stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. There will be swarms of living things wherever the water of this river flows. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea, for its waters will become fresh. Life will flourish wherever this water flows. Fishermen will stand along the shores of the Dead Sea, all the way from Engedi to Eneglam. The shores will be covered with nets drying in the sun. Fish of every kind will fill the Dead Sea just as they filled the Mediterranean. But the marshes and the swamps will not be purified. They will still be salty. Fruits, uh, fruit trees of all kinds will grow along both sides of the river. The leaves of these trees will never turn brown and fall, and there will always be fruit on their branches. There will be a new crop every month, and they are watered by the river flowing from the temple. The fruit will be for food and the leaves for healing. And there is just so much imagery of what is going on right there, both in the river, alongside the banks, um, that we see that God is that source. He is that temple. He is providing all of that flowing out from him. But notice that you have to be connected to that river. Notice that you have to be there in that water in order to be nourished, in order to be filled, in order to be sustained for life, that it brings nourishment both for the trees above and the fish below. Consequently, then the birds in the air above as well, right? Everywhere that that water is touching provides nourishment for life, but also it filters out the impurities. 
that we see as it goes, as the, the physical side of the water is coming down to the Dead Sea, that that salt water is now removed and making that fresh water usable, drinkable, sustainable for our, ourselves. But also notice that throughout there, toward the end there, that it made another, I think, just a strong comparison. That those swamps, those marshes, those stagnant areas that don't get that water, what happens to them? They die off. They become even more stagnant. They become, right, disconnected. But we know that there's times where that water in that region floods, and we get that physical example that sometimes those, st- those swamps and those uh, areas beget water. But don't we sometimes, and people in our lives kind of do that too? That we'll come to church for a little while, we'll get what we think is a fill, and then we'll leave. Right, And then we won't be back for a few months. Or maybe, oh yeah, we went to that camp one time and, and that's good enough for a while. And then we'll, we'll go to camp next, week, next year again, that's good enough. And we have just enough to kind of keep us a little bit going. But is that really what God's talking about that he wants for our life? Is that really the direction he wants? No, he wants us immersed. He wants us connected. And so, you know, those swamps and those marshes, that, that's that... That non-Christian going, I, I see what it is, but I really don't want to fully jump in like the guy in the, in the video. Fully jumping off that cliff going, I'm leaving everything behind and I'm going all in. I am following Christ. There's some other ones that kind of give us that same direction, that same picture. In Psalm 46 verse 4, it says, A river brings joy to the city of her God, the sacred home of the Most High. Okay. We are a part of that. We are that river bringing joy to the city of God. I mean, what an amazing picture um, that the psalmist brings. He even carries that further in Psalm 36, verse 8. It says that you feed them from the abundance of your own house, letting them drink from your river of delight. I don't know. I get that picture again of, of Ezekiel, that temple, God's house, that river flowing out, that you are feeding them from the abundance of your own house drinking from your river of delights. Are we at that watering source, desiring, immersing ourselves in God, drinking in his word, drinking in the fellowship of believers, drinking in the time of being together with one another, being encouraged? I mean, um, just now comes, comes to mind Hebrews, where he talks about being in the fellowship of believers even more so as the day approaches, as in the end times, God's return. That we need to be together more and more. And, and I see that in here about letting them drink from the river of delights. What do we delight? What do we focus our time on? Uh, and then again, in Isaiah 32 verse 2, it says, Each one will be like a shelter from the wind and a refuge from the storm, like streams of water in the desert in the shadow of a great rock in parched land. That streams of water. I mean, there are areas that I've traveled through in different deserts where you can see these, these plants that are growing. In other areas, it's just desolate. And yet in that one area, a couple times a year when they get some flooding, that's where the water flows. And they're able to get just enough water to kind of sustain themselves throughout those desert moments and be able to live, to be able to grow everywhere else that doesn't get even that little bit of water dies off. And yet here we get a, that picture of streams of water in the desert in the shadow of a great rock and a parched land. I mean, imagine those sunny days and you can get into that shade, how that does kind of cool you off a little bit. 
we get another picture later on, we're going to talk about God's wings. But getting underneath his shadow, getting into his water, getting connected to his source of abundance. Um, Revelation 22, 1 and 2. It says, Then the angel showed me a river from the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. I mean, that just mimics exactly what we just read in Ezekiel. And yet they were thousands of years apart. God is providing that source. We see it in the end times as, as uh, God reveals his nature, his throne room. And we have that water of life, that river flowing down from him, providing that sustenance. Are we plugged in? Are we connected to that river? And I want to focus on that just because maybe, maybe it's the time of the year as we're going into summer and that just picking up that ice cold glass of water can be just more refreshing now than it is when it's 32 below zero. Um, but yet our body needs it nonetheless. But there are other imagery that the Bible talks about, about who God is that is for our benefit. Uh, those two lyrics that I pointed out in the song we sang this morning about forgiveness being like sweet, sweet honey on our lips. That forgiveness that God gives us. Sometimes I wonder how, if we forget how sweet it really is. Or how much we actually benefit from that forgiveness and forget, man, it is like that sweet honey on our lips. Or that symphony to our ears, how majestic when everything is all together in tune and once, how that sounds. But he's also described as the rock. In Samuel 22, or 2 Samuel 22, verse 47, he says, The Lord lives, praise to my rock. May my God, the rock of my salvation, be exalted. That firm foundation in the midst of everything when life is in chaos. God is that rock. We see it again in Psalm 18, too, maybe even just a little bit more stronger, where it says, The Lord is my rock, my fortress. And my Savior, my God, is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me in my place of safety. I mean, imagine being barricaded behind that rock fortress. I mean, there are so many other stories in the Bible. I mean, we even look at our own homes as a source of defense and protection, and yet they're nowhere near as strong as rocks, right? But that's our place of hiding. Imagine God being that place of a fortress, but he's solid rock. We're in his hands behind him, that shield, that power behind him. What an amazing opportunity we have. So we have seen God described as even being the rock. And this is where it hinted as God is described as being the wing, like a bird. Psalm 17, verse 8, it says, Guard me as you would guard your own eyes. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. I mean, just that mother protecting their hens and their chicks, and put, or the hen protecting their chicks and kind of covering them up and providing a safe haven for them in that area. God is doing that. And we are following them. Psalm 91 verse 4 goes on and says, He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. I know sometimes I don't think of, of uh, feathers as protection or armor. I mean, they're rather light and flimsy. But yet when it comes to God, anything is possible. And his feathers, his wings provide that armor for us. Do we trust him? Do we go under? And this is where I think Matthew 23 verse 37 just gets amplified that much more with this in mind. 
It reads, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. How often have I wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. I mean, God is there. He desires to walk alongside us, to protect us, to be that, that hen as we are his, his chick, his children. And yet he gives us the choice. His own children here in Jerusalem said, no, God, no. Thanks, but no thanks. God's wing provides that protection, that cover, if we're willing to go underneath it. We even see him described as a wind in John 3, verse 8. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. Talking about God, I mean, it's truly talking about God moving in his own Holy Spirit. But this is one of those things in youth ministry that occasionally we talk about how the Bible does mention farting and flatulence. Here you go. You can reread it and get the, the, okay, it'll hit you some of it, okay? That's, that's student ministry. It's middle school mindset for you. Um, but yet, in reality, it's not talking about, it's actually talking about the Holy Spirit, Right? Moving in and out of people's lives, stitching things together that we can't see how things come together until, and, and for us, looking back in hindsight, looking back 2020. I mean, just even people within our own congregations, there are stories of, of um, babies being born to surgeries to uh, procedures that happened only to ended up setting up for success down the road that if the first one didn't happen, the second one couldn't happen, and we didn't know until we looked back. God does those things through his Holy Spirit, working in people's lives from here to across the nation, and yet we're all together in one kingdom, and that's where that wind blowing comes in to effect. He also talks about being or is described as being a precious stone. Proverbs 20 verse 15, wise words are more valuable than gold and rubies. I mean, even though he is that, that, um, that precious, wisdom is that much more. Or Revelation 21, 19 through 20, it says, The wall of the city was built on foundation stones. Okay, then again, this is the end times looking at the new Jerusalem. It says, Built on the foundation stones inlaid with 12 precious stones. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. I mean, these are some valuable precious stones, and yet these are used as part of the foundation of that city wall. I mean, God is sparing no, ex- no expense. No, nothing is left behind. God is pouring out his best for us. So when we look at who he is, what he is described as, from being the source of life as water, the rock on which we can depend as our for- fortress, the wing to provide protection over us and above us, the wind to move through us and the precious stones to provide value to us and as people that he wants to use us. I mean, all of those things come together. And I want to read uh, an old African-American spiritual song. I'm not going to sing it um, and spare you for that moment. But I want you to just hear the words that um, they put together. And oftentimes as slaves, they would sing this uh, spiritual song 
And for the first time that I read it, I'm like, what? God, trouble the water. I mean, that's a phrase that you, that you hear. God's going to trouble the water. And it's talking about agitate or to stir up or to mix. And it goes on. It says this. It says, wade in the water. Wade in the water, children. Wade in the water. Don't you know that God's going to trouble or agitate the water? Don't you know that God's going to trouble the water? I stepped in the water and the water is cold. Don't you know that God is going to trouble the water? Said it chilled my body, but not the soul. Don't you know that God's going to trouble the water? Well, I went to the water one day to pray. Don't you know that God's going to trouble the water? And my soul got happy and I stayed all day. And don't you know that God's going to trouble the water? There is love in the water. There is joy in the water. Your peace is in the water. Your deliverance is in the water. Oh, step in. Step in. Joy is in the water. Oh, step in. Step in. Love is in the water. Oh, step in for deliverance. Everything is in the water. Everything you need. God going to trouble the water. God's going to trouble the water. I mean, just imagine in the fields or working as a slave and yet having that hope and that dependence on who God is. Seeing the picture of the water and how it chilled the body, bringing refreshing, but not the soul. It brought life to the soul, the love, the joy, the, that God is going to continue to stir that together and bring that all underneath him for who he is. Again, immersing ourselves into who God is. And so what I want us to do in the next couple minutes, as far as I know, I don't know if we've actually really done something like this per se, and I know if we've done it with youth before. But there's going to be a couple slides. And matter of fact, the, the first one says, for me, God is like. For me, God is like. And then I'm going to fill in um, about five or six different things over the course of the next couple minutes with some music playing in the background. For you to answer that question. For me, God is like, and I'll give, like we talked about, the water. For God is like the water. And then you, in your own mind, your own heart, contemplate that. I want you to ponder that. I want you to go, for you, we've read Scripture what the river was like for that, pe- that person, what God is providing for us. We read a um, story about what God's provided. We read the, the African spiritual on what it meant to them. I want you to take it and apply it to you personally. A personal application, because I mean, sometimes it's great if we have a great message or a great word from God, but how do we actually apply it? And I want us to think through some of these things that we've read about in Scripture on who God is like, the different objects that he has, but I want you to think through it in your, own, in, your own, um, in your own life, in your own mind. So the first one, for me, God is like a rock because. I want you to fill in that blank. For me, God is like a rock because. Why is he like a rock in your life? I know something for some people, you need to write it down, that's okay. Maybe you need to close your eyes or maybe you just need to just take that time to be still and be quiet as I will for these next ones. For me, God is like the wing of a bird because.
For me, God is like the wind because. For me, God is like precious stones because. For me, God is like a river because. you to realize that as we wrap up that God is like those things, not God is those things. That is our way of comparing what we experience to who God is and be able to try and understand or grasp what God is like. God is someone that is just going to be an amazing person to meet when we get to heaven someday, when we are in his presence someday. And, and maybe you're here going, I want to be immersed in God but I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. A lot of people or a lot of, a lot of it is described as just a simple prayer or a phrase saying, God, I trust you. I place my faith in you. I want you to be in my life. I want you to live for me. Forgive me of my sins. Amen.